This is One Heat Minute. Drop of a hat, these guys will rock and roll. What's your name? Wayne Grove. Look like gangbangers working the local 7-Eleven. Robbery homicides take you. Give me all you got! Listen. Give me all you got! I do what I do best. I take scores. You do what you do best. I'm trying to stop guys like me. A podcast dedicated to all 170 minutes of Michael Mann's LA crime opus Heat, one minute at a time. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to One Heat Minute, a special bonus episode of One Heat Minute, and as promised episode of One Heat Minute, my favourites, um, the incredibly talented and prolific uh, film critic Katie Walsh, um, who you would have just heard on an episode of One Heat Minute, the 122nd episode, in fact, threatened that we should watch, and I'm saying threatened, that we should watch the, the, the Heat ripoff, the Heat as if it's retold by a person shooting steroids in their ass at the gym, Den of Thieves. And she has asked me to do this. I have said, yes, we have to do it. Um, And look, here we are. The amazing Katie Walsh is back. Katie, thank you. And also, how dare you come back to One Heat Minute to talk about this movie? Um, First of all, my apologies. (laughs) Since I demanded oh that you watch this movie, all two and a half hours of it, and then talk about it with me <laughs> for your podcast. I made you do this. <laughs> but look, it was a really, it was a harrowing experience and I was watching it and I was getting angry. It was like, it was like watching a really, you know, it was like watching your favorite team play badly. I was like, what, what is going on? And my wife goes, can you stop watching? Cause I don't know about you film fans out there, but there are certainly many film fans I know that, that just do this. Like if you start watching a movie, especially something that you've missed, and you're just catching up, and it's god-awful, you're going to give it 20 or 30 minutes. And then once that's done, you're like, see ya. Because there's so much more cinema and awesome TV shows and things that you're, like, there to catch up on. And she goes, why are you doing this? (laughs) And I said, well, I did a podcast with Katie Walsh. (laughs) And she said I had to do it. And she came up with a great idea. We should do a bonus episode. It's been out there in the ether in the One Heat Minute discussion. So here we are. Look, Den of Thieves. Made it through. I made it all the way through. I made it all the way through to the end. I made it all the way through to the end. And there's some really generous, there are some insanely generous Heat fans, in fact, guests of this show, who are like, oh, Blake, it gets better towards the end. Like, persevere. And I'm like, what's, like, do you hate fun and joy in your life (laughs) that you think this movie gets better? Look, in all fairness, let's say, look, apologies in advance to Christian Gudegast, who's the director and also the co-writer. He came up with the story, but and also did the screenplay. Um, because there are some fleeting moments in this movie that are uh, at least look beautiful. I'm going to find his cinematographer's name and call them out before just to sort of get this out of the way right at the top of the show. Um, so Cliff Mar- Martinez does the music. He did Drive's music and other great scores. So music is pretty good. Terry Stacy is the cinematographer, um, and and this is a guy who oh, he shot some of Dexter. He shot Fifty Fifty, so definitely um, you know definitely some chops there. Oh, uh, Elvis and Nixon, the confirmation. Yeah, there's some good. Um, there's some really you know definitely great textured um, cinematography that in this guy's resume. But I just want to say that. As a dumb person who loves dumb things, I kind of enjoy this movie. <laughs> but, like, with the full knowledge that it's, like, dumb as hell. Yes. But I'm like, it's fun. I, I think I had to review it, like, last January because it came out last January. And I was like, this was – I was expecting nothing, and it was more than I expected. So it was, like, a little bit more than nothing. And I was like – and rewatching it, I was like, oh, yeah, it's, like, not – as like surprising and fresh as it was for me when I saw it last January, but it, I still love Gerard Butler in this movie. <laughs> oh my god! I love Gerard Butler, and like I love the dumbest Gerard Butler movies. Like I tweeted a couple months ago that like my biggest weakness as a critic is that I just love stupid Gerard Butler action movies. <laughs> like, I, I I loved that submarine movie he was in, and that was like so dumb, but I was I was having a blast. And what is the, the, is it, is it Olympus Has Fallen was the first one. 
the first of, of the... his Fallen trilogy. Yes, and then what, London? London, and the next one's Angel, which is Air Force One. Oh, yes, 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 yes. So... I just, I love when he just, like, get. I mean, and you can tell that he's, like, really trying to be, like, Pacino-esque in this. Let's start it out. This is a movie that begins... So I'm gonna I'm gonna read the IMDb uh, uh, synopses here. It's a gritty crime saga which follows the lives of an elite unit, debatable, of the <laughs> LA County Sheriff's Department and the uh, the elite? state and the state's <laughs> most successful bank robbery crew as the outlaws plan a seemingly impossible heist on the Federal Reserve Bank. Okay, so elite is questionable. <laughs> Wording. <laughs> okay. In the opening heist scene of the movie, which kind of looks like it's an armored car heist, but outside of the coffee shop where Wayne Grow gets his first coffee, because that's basically what it looks like. Uh, yeah. They take down an armored car, but they steal the armored car. So slightly different than heat. It's not just, uh, you know, there's a shape charge. There's, you know, there's cops that come and chase down and are completely outmatched. Um, but they leave the body of one of their crew members, which leads uh, leads Gerard Butler and crew. And when Gerard Butler's investigation crew start assaying the the carnage that has happened, um, he walks into a scene next to a dead crook with bullet shards all over the place and crime scene investigators. And one of the people who was caught up in the fracas because it's outside of a, a store with a donut shop has donuts, and he goes into a crime scene. And pulls a donut out of the box. And it's like covered in blood. Out of a box that's covered in blood. <laughs> and he eats it. Yeah. And and then goes and spits crumbs on an FBI agent who scolds him for for basically compromising a murder scene. This yeah. This all happens like... in the first five minutes of this movie. Yeah. As soon as Gerard Butler ate the donut out of the bloody box. I was like, I think I'm going to like this movie. <laughs> it's like the anti Vincent Hanna. It's like when Vincent Hanna walks into the opening, like, and like, all I can say about this guys is there is, there's remakes, like the best remake of heat ever. It's called the dark Knight. It's the most popular comic book movie of all time. Like, <laughs> It can be done. And we've seen it done like once and we see imitators and I think you can totally be influenced and honor like sprawling, you know, uh, crime epics. I think in Bill Gatibiri and I's podcast and now just talking to Fran Hoffner, who's uh, part of Brightwall Dark Room, the word Dickensian comes up because you're taking these little tangents. You can totally tell sprawling epic crime stuff and be influenced by heat because, you know, yeah. it has a, a phenomenal look. It takes you to different places of LA that you've never quite seen before. And it's all those, it does all those things so beautifully well. And I think that there's room in the, in the, in the canon for like a, a bozo version of Heat. There is. But I just think that this is so glaringly stupid that it's just like, I don't care if he comes in and chews scenery and looks like he's been out all night, like bad lieutenant on coke, banging hookers. I don't care. I'm happy with that. But you can't chew a donut out of a bloody donut box and then spit the crumbs on an FBI agent and scold him for being a vegan. Like, you can't do all those things. It's just too much, Katie. I know. It is too much. And it is funny because... There are so many, like, complete... It's not even, like, the opening scene, which is, like, very similar to the to Heat, or just, like, the crime is. Like, yeah. oh, yeah. he looked like he was going for his gun, and then we shot him, and then the shootout happens. Like, that's so similar to what happens early on in Heat. But, like, the shootout at the end, the two guys going back and forth, and, like, I was trying to... Um, I'm like, all right, what's the coffee shop scene in Den of Thieves? And I'm like, isn't the Benihana scene? Yes. It is the Benihana scene. The Torrance Benihana scene. That's my other, this is like a little side tangent. I'm obsessed with how many Chirons are in this movie. Oh my God. <laughs> like with like little, like, ooh, Hawthorne, Gardena, Torrance, Montebello. It's like, we don't need to know this stuff. No one or cares. Like, it out. Like, you know, I think a lot of times, you know, you talk about how Michael Mann, like, just like knows the geography of LA really well and it shows up in collateral and you know, they're like, Oh, we're going to six in Alexandria and then it's in Koreatown and it just, 
is. They don't have to be like Koreatown or like downtown. <laughs> like, I'm think- just like, I'm amazed at how many friggin' Chirons are in this movie. And it's like information you don't need to know. It's like sheriff's department. And then you like, it shows the sheriffs and you're like, we know, like you don't need to explain it to us. No. And you're going to, this is one thing I'm going to say. I love Pablo Schreibler. I really like O'Shea Jackson Jr. I, I like um, those guys a lot. I actually in think in this movie, I actually just in general, in general, okay. I, I think F- Fifty Cent is actually good in this movie. Like he is actually, he's actually like tolerable. Like he does a serviceable job. I I haven't really thought of him as an actor. Really, he's just kind of like floats into a few things. Um, but we'll get to it later. But I think. If these crooks got caught by these guys, it makes me feel like they're idiots too. Like, these guys are so bad. So we haven't even got out of the first investigation scene. Next scene is, you may remember a couple of sequences in Heat in the robbery homicide division when they're investigating stuff. One famously, Vincent's on the phone. He's like, go to Slick, you're going to get the phone book. I don't care. Did Tarina call back, etc. The guys are working... I just want to ask Katie about the mise-en-scene of their office. <laughs> so in every office, my fa- one of my favorite ones is in a rented uh, storage container in True Detective where, you know, um, the yellow king's up on the wall and the sort of mad Matthew McConaughey, Rustin Cole, phenomenal, you know, sort of piecing things together, newspaper clippings, photos, little those little uh, wooden figurines and things like that that he's found along the place. There's That is a great trope in... Lots of movies and TV shows. The I've got a, a cork board with heaps of string yeah. and I'm trying to find out who the hell is behind all this. Mm-hmm. In the Den of Thieves elite sheriff's department crew, they not only in their office have a cork board on wheels with all of the faces of these guys on it. They also have right next to it, because this is what you need when you're finding a cop, a bench press... And a punching bag. I totally didn't notice that. Oh, my God. I'm going to post it in the post of this post. I'm going to have to go back and watch it and screenshot that. But they got to pump iron because they're so righted out. I need to learn about these crooks next set. I'll get to it. It's just – it is beyond uh, – there are like just elements of this movie, whereas it is so dumb that it just like stopped me in my tracks. I rewound and I was like, there's a punching bag near the cork board. Like what about a cork board makes you want to punch things? He's so angry because, you know, Long Beach High School football. Okay. Please tell me about the thread of Long Beach football that was in this. They're at a Benny Harner's in Torrance arguing about our guys at Long Beach used to kick your guys' ass. And I'm like, I don't know what this is. Does this make any sense oh, no. to someone who was in LA? Um, yes, actually, sort of. Um, I actually, I'm sorry, I'm moving. Um, I went to grad school at USC and USC has a very, uh, like intense football program. Yes. And they actually get a lot of, um, football players from Long Beach. So I do think a lot of, um, like, like Long Beach has a really good program. Um, not, and I don't know anything about football. Like I know nothing about football. I just tutored a lot of the football players. I also think it was interesting that they had all the Pacific Islander guys because a lot of the football players are Pacific Islanders. So it was like, that was like a little touch of it, but it was just like at one point, like one of the elite crew members is like, the only passport on the street is sports and the military. It's like, what? Like, I don't, and, and like, I feel like that scene where 50 Cent's daughter is getting picked up for the prom and they all, they all, they all intimidate the guy. And then they're like, ha ha ha. I'm like, okay, that's the football crew. Like, that's all their friends from high school. And that that's where they had a brief pause to stop ripping off heat for five seconds and to blatantly rip off bad boys too. I'm like, if you get a... There's no other movie ever that's ripped off Heat and Bad Boys too, ever. Yeah. But I admire the um, the effort. <laughs> I do. I do. Oh my I god! I love both of movies. So why not? <laughs> oh my god! It's it's so. 
the other thing that this movie that just like baffles me um, is that they they capture one of the Robert De Niro, Neil McCauley, Pablo Schreiber like uh, guys people. They capture O'Shea Jackson Jr. and they interrogate him. Katie, do you want to oh, tell the people? Do you want to tell the people ha- that what what are the circumstances of that interrogation? Do they take him downtown to a, a well lit room um, where there's people looking through the mirrors, or do they take him to a hotel suite filled with strippers for no reason? Like which one? If it's a multiple choice. Which are you going? Are you going A downtown, following procedure as an elite unit would, or are you talking B? stripper place for no reason when he's wet himself uh, i know well the other thing is like how do they get him down there Gerard butler just punches him in the face through his car window <laughs> um and yeah they take him to a stripper flop house where there's like all this chicken like in styrofoam containers and that gets into another one of my really favorite parts about this movie is that Gerard is eating in every scene. Yes. And he is eating the donuts. He is chugging milk out of a carton. He's eating chicken. He's drinking wine. Like he will not stop eating. Um, and it's like his performance choice, like Brad Pitt style. Um, I was going to say yeah. the, the famous ones of that is like Brad Pitt did it so beautifully in ocean, in the oceans 11, particularly yeah. it was like the best eating of all time. But then you yeah. hear like Francis Ford Coppola, like one of the great directors of all time. He's like, I used to get people who can't act to eat because it would make them more natural. And it's just like, it gives them something to do. Yeah. It gives them something to do. Now, what does it say about Jared Butler? If he still can't convincingly eat. <laughs> yeah, it's just, <laughs> the funny thing is that he's like so ferociously eating <laughs> the whole time. <laughs> Or like, like biting into this chicken. You're like, oh my god, um, yeah. So, the stripper flop house. That's when when you were like, oh, that's the elite squad. I'm like, what the hell? They're like in the stripper flop house, like, like doing their interrogations. <laughs> and they're like, all right, girls, you gotta go. Pick up your shoes. Get out of here. We gotta we gotta ask these kids some questions. Let's turn them into a CI. In Katie's LA Times review, she references, and I've got it up, I'm just reading it as we speak, but it's it's the the training day elements, like we've seen training day, like Antoine Fuqua did it so, you know, so perfectly with that unit of detectives are all undercover and they're utilizing like, there's that great scene sort of early on in the film where they like go over to a drug dealer's house and just lounge about. Like that's a, that's a ballsy, cool scene because they're all in there and they're like showing how little they give a fuck. They're just like, we're going to, this is a CI. We don't give a shit. We're just going to lounge about, do whatever. Like we run this town. Like we don't care. Mm-hmm. Perhaps that was the effect that we're going for, but it looks like they're all <laughs> staying in a motel because they know they're idiots <laughs> and they all just want to cheat on their wives on Thursdays. And they're just down there to eat chicken and cheat on their wives and play poker. And it just so happens they're going to throw an interrogation on top of this. Yeah, it's funny because I feel like the other guys are like, they seem like they kind of want to do their job. And they kind of like the, they kind of don't want Gerard Butler to like go completely crazy or big Nick, if you will. Um, Like at Benihana, the one guy's like, okay, settle down. Like, all right. But um, let's not openly fight the people we're investigating. No. Also, like, why does he do that? Why does he go up to them? And he's like, oh, Donnie, I remember you from the gym. Like, that's his new CI, his new informant, essentially. And then he just, like, picks a fight with Pablo Schreiber and is, like, shit-talking his football team. And then I'm, like, I, like thinking back on it, I'm like, what was the point? Was that to, like, intimidate him? Well, let's, or was let's, it- let's do a comparison. This is one heat minute. In Heat, there's an incredible <laughs> scene where they've got that crew down to rights. So after the interrogation with O'Shea Jackson Jr., they've pretty much got that crew down to rights. He's got five right. elite guys in the sheriff's department. Follow O'Shea Jackson Jr. If they go back right. to this warehouse that has the truck in it, you got him. It's over. Right. So, right. so in heat, the movie's over. In heat, what do they do? They find out that there's a diamond exchange. They've cased it. They hide in the truck and they do it. There is one of the great dramatic moments of the film, tense Silence, where I think Joe Lynch, director Joe Lynch um, uh, um, 
coined the phrase Captain Hydration, the guy who uh, needs a drink and sits down and makes a noise and triggers Neil's crew to the fact that the cops are onto them. And Vincent is devastated in that moment. That scene where they look across from one another in infrared, Vincent's looking at the camera, he's looking at the truck, we, the audience, get to see their perspective and get them to sort of stare into our eyes. And Neil calls it and they go. In Den of Thieves the Gerard Butler character decides to make that moment happen. Like it would be like Vincent Hanna screaming from the truck. Hey, Neil, how are you? (laughs) You're about to rob this thing. But instead it's like, he's got his guy. Just keep interrogating the guy. There was just another moment where I was like, it makes no sense for them to do it. And especially to do it with such bluster because then he's triggering him to know. Oh, connection is breaking up on my end. Oh, wait. Hello. Oh, hey. Okay. Sorry, it went like, it was like, oh, it was like bad network. No, that's okay. Is it better now? Oh, is it better now? Sorry, you're going to have to like edit this out. No, it's okay. I can cut it. That's fine. (laughs) Is it better now? Better now? Damn it. Mine's saying it's all good. Oh, hello? Yes, I'm back. Hello. Okay. It's saying poor connection. Can you hear me now? Yes, I can. I know. It says poor connection too. Yeah. Weird. But, uh, but yeah, so, um, I was like, why is she I not I didn't re- hear what you were saying. Okay. <laughs> I'll, I'll, I'll go back. It's all good. I remember what I was saying. It would okay. be like, instead of that Captain Hydration guy that Joe Lynch coined that phrase who sits down in the truck and like Vincent scolds him with his eyes and then looks around at that camera. It would be as if Vincent stuck his head out of the window of the truck and went, Hey Neil, what's going on? How are you? It's so glaring. It's like, what are you doing? You just got, you, you've got the guy, you've got one of his crew, you've got your hooks in, just follow him. I know. I, like, I have no idea why he does that. And it's like, he's off the leash. He's not, you know, he's chaotic. You don't know what he's going to do. He's unpredictable. He is unpredictable. That's for sure. Yeah. Um, and nothing he does makes any sense, but I do enjoy watching him. So <laughs> I do like that scene, even though I'm like, why are you doing this? You're totally <laughs> busting your CI's cover one, because then the first thing Pablo Shriver says is, are you a cop? <laughs> yeah. Um, to O'Shea. So it's like, um, it's just so silly. It's like, it does none of it really makes any sense at all. No. And they're like, by the end of the movie, they're like, you need professional help. And that's like, that whole thing's like, yeah, I do. But also I know that they're tunneling their way to, you know, the federal reserve or something. Like, so it's, a, I know. it's so weird. It's just, there's just, and the, the thing that I think like they take a step too far with his character there's actually two. The one is coming home after like coke and strippers and then like breaking up with your wife in front of your two small daughters <laughs> is like, oh, this, there's nothing salvageable about this guy at this point. He's just like, I'm like, Vincent at least had the decorum to fight quietly with Justine and like never in front of Lauren. And I'm just like, oh, this guy's such a douche. He's got two baby girls. And I'm like, God, it's like, there's just nothing salvageable. Got- he does go to the schoolyard and like cry at the fence. Oh, I was just hoping for a Terminator <laughs> 2 atomic bomb to just blow him out of that fence. I just wanted him to be hanging on, shredding in this in the in the in the blast. Um, the next but question. Do... Oh, go ahead. Oh no, go no, you go ahead. You go ahead, please. No, just for like, I mean, I actually wrote a little bit about this in another piece, but um, that I wrote for the LA Times. But this movie has no. I mean, this movie does dirty to women and I almost feel like they should have just written all the women, all the female characters. Like 
uh, Merriman, published driver's wife, has one line. She's a stripper, and she sleeps with uh, oh, that's, Big. I'm glad we were just about to get to that. We were just about to get to that. <laughs> and she's like, you told me to. Which, like, again, I'm not really sure. Oh, she, she gets some piece of information, right? Something like that. Does she get some piece of information, or is he just? Is it just like a mind game? No, he and gi- then- he gives she she like lets it slip that they're going to that bank because Merriman wants to right. he wants to be the architect of like the cops going there and then they're going to dig under and they're going to think it's a, a siege when it's not. Right. So they go to the bank in Montebello and I know it's in Montebello because the movie helpfully tells me that. <laughs> um, like east of downtown LA and then the Federal Reserve Bank is like downtown so they're like, you know, causing a, a distraction, a diversion. But, um... No, I just, I honestly wish they had written out all the female characters. The wife character is, she's just like a sad. Um, well, she's a prostitute like, puppet. He's like, go and bang that guy for me and give him this information. Right. But then also the other wife, the one that Gerard Butler's wife. Oh, yeah. I'm, what, like, the, there's nothing really there either except to like, and, and it's like, does it offer nuance to his character? Like, no, you're just like, what? What what is he doing? And, um, and she's only there to make a right moral decision, really, which is this guy's a disgusting pig who's leaving his family to rot while he does whatever the hell he wants to do. I don't really want my daughters to be around him. Bye. And she leaves. And you're like, cool. Right. That That's all the context we get. We get validated right. for thinking that he's already a pig-headed idiot. And his wife's like, yeah, I'm out. Like even though we're intrinsically connected for about the next fourteen or fifteen years based on based on the ages of these children, um, like I'm out. See ya. Yeah, I do like the scene where he interrupts the date. Again, some good eating and drinking, acting performances. I had to like when you just said that. I was like, I had to actually go back and remember that that even happened. But at the time, I was like, this would have been so much greater had his wife been been cold, like had, you know, the, the, the power, the powerhouse scene, which in the sequence of when this episode, this bonus Den of Thieves episode is released is like, <laughs> I think it's a little bit before. Yes, it is. It's about 10 episodes before a great, the great scene, which is the Ralph scene. You've been Ralphed, which is <laughs> Vincent going home and finding Diane Venora as Justine, like with Ralph. The beauty yeah. of that, like, this is sort of uh, orchestrating a, like, Ralph scene. But right. but but it's it's got no none of the venom or payoff. Like, it's got all the same stuff, but you're like, wait a minute. She left him because he was out banging hookers. Like, if he came home and she's like, he's like, where are you going? Out and he, she leaves the kids or you kind of make her a villain. But, like, as, to, as opposed to your point, it's like... There's no there's no dimensions to these female characters. They couldn't possibly write them to be any less likable or any less essential to the story. So it's like it's probably better that she just got that shining moment of like she was just immediately moving on and going to find some other guy that wasn't like him. Yeah, I mean, I think the and this and I think the female characters is like the linchpin to understanding like why this movie. I mean, obviously we know why this movie isn't as good as Heat, but like the women in Heat, like. They, you know, they're constricted by their men, but they have agency. Like, like Ashley Judd has agency. Oh, yeah. Justine has agency. Oh, you're breaking up again. Like, and ultimately, Vincent is like, he's a loose cannon, but he's a good dad, a good stepdad, good, like, part, so... You know, he's, he's not great, but you know, he, it, but there's nuance there and, and it's not, and, and the women have some power and, and they have some, something to do other than just like be silent puppets. Yeah. And every, every woman in the film, uh, every woman in the film helps you understand the male character and and even and makes them really great. Like my f- one of my favorite women, obviously, is Ashley Judd in the film. But like the even the bit part, Kim Staunton, who plays Lillian, which is Donald Breeden's partner, who goes and picks uh, that's Dennis Haysbert, and she goes and picks him up from work when he's had a really shit day and he's sitting in the bar. And there's that amazing moment where she's like, "I'm proud of you." And he's like, "What are you proud of me for?" 
And like he he's trying to almost start an argument there because he's had a really shit day and he's feeling depressed. And just her like grace and sort of like awareness about what he needs in that moment or what she's willing to do for him as her partner is just like so beautiful and she has a super impact on you and then like you get to the the fallout of the heist and you're just devastated for her. Like you're absolutely de- devastated that she's committed so much of her time and she's worked really hard with this guy, but he just couldn't override that instinct to go and commit crimes again. So like if I try and find a woman that's like that, as well written, as well conceived, even like Kim Staunton has like five minutes in this movie, like in Heat, in 170, she's maybe in it for five, max. Um, maybe even four. Um, it's, yeah, there's no one like yeah. that in Dennis Like even even the bit parts in Heat of the women, like the um, uh, the corner, or you know the you know like it's like at least there's yeah. like why aren't there any women in the police department? Because none like, of them like to lift weights. <laughs> <laughs> you know who I do, do like though is ladies who order the Chinese food. Yes, yes, like we know what's up. We're ordering this food. <laughs> Yeah, just like, they have like a little bit of like fun character moments and like I don't know like they're they're hitting on O'Shea and um I I, I just, like they I was like legit, okay this movie legit, needs a little bit more of that they're a legit highlight of this movie yeah. those two they're like she's like I'm getting my money back um, and she's like mm, yeah. mm, what do I order for you mm, mm. I love that girl she's great she's excellent. And I, you know what I love um, about those two is you always have a friend when you have shit food and you're like, this is gross. And they're like, it's okay. And you're like, no, it's terrible. <laughs> I love that. Like, no, I'm going to get my money back. Yeah. Right, right. Um, like the movie either needs like way more of those people or it needs like just the guys. Like I think it needs, you know, and I'm not going to, the movie is the movie. It's like not, why would I be like, Oh, make this movie instead. But I almost think it would be interesting if it was just either way more pared down. Yeah, and and, and just the two wrestling again. There, there are there are others. You know, it's it it does sort of have. Um, it actually does get. To be fair, I will say this: it does get more interesting at the end. And Gerard Butler has one genuine moment of great performance, which is complete silence, standing on a beach. Staring out to the ocean. Gerard Butler needs more movies where they give him like one line of dialogue and just is forced to actually stand there and convey emotion instead of eating things and lifting weights and having painted on abs. Like he needs to like, there's a Gerard Butler out there that like, I feel like, I feel like Gerard Butler is now doing all the movie roles they were giving to Clive Owen when you're like, Clive Owen should just act. You know, like, does anyone remember yeah. how great an actor he is? Like, Closer, um, like, um, uh, Children of Men. Like, he's amazing. It's like, you know, uh, he feels yeah. like he's just chewing yeah. scenery. But there's a couple of things. And particularly there's, you know, this movie gets a little bit twisty. And I think the twists actually are a semi-salvageable and saving grace in this movie because it kind of, like, allows you to think that there's a, a greater smarts to the to the architecture of what's happening around you, except for the, just the overwhelming dumb. And if, if the filmmakers were ever out there going, hey, our sleight of hand was, let's make these cops so stupid that they would miss all of this, it worked. <laughs> it worked, absolutely. Yeah. Um, and I, I, it's so funny. Yeah, like, I, did, I think I wrote that in my review. Oh, I think I wrote that in my review. Like, it's like these two beasts, like, throwing, going back and forth. And then it's like, oh wait, no, it's this guy over here. Like yes. he's the one who, who, who knew what was going on all the time. Whereas I think Heat is more of this like philosophical exploration of like these two guys like talking about their existence and their like paths in life. This is like, <laughs> oh no, it's like O'Shea just like walked away with everything. Sorry, spoiler alert! If you haven't seen Den of Thieves, uh, you shouldn't be listening to this, to this if you <laughs> no. if you haven't. It, it is a massive spoiler. It's um, I I was talking to my best friend Maria Lewis. And she is, she's like, she hates, in her words, she's like, I hate, I hate heat. She doesn't really hate it. She's like, it's just not my shit. It's just too much man shit. It's just your shit. I don't care. And she's like, I really like Den of Thieves. And I'm like, I, no, no, no. 
And she likes it. This her first two things. O'Shea though, O'Shea T H O question mark. I'm like, yeah, he was good. Like he was not. A, he's a great actor. I like him being in stuff, and the fact that he got to be sort of the architect of this overall thing. Yeah, that's good. Like that's a that was a nice. That was actually a surprise. It was a nice surprise because I didn't think this movie had any anything going for it until like basically his character. Um, and the next thing she's like, because she's. Um, part Marty, so like New Zealand Pacific Island, you know, New Zealand Pacific Islander. She's like, I like seeing my people. And so she was so excited <laughs> about the Pacific Islander scenes, like the intimidation scene, because she's like, I get to see my people. They're in a gang. Isn't that cool? Like my people are in a, you know, they're, they're doing some stuff. And I'm like, yeah, that's it. I mean, is this the movie that we need the cool Pacific Islander gang? Like surely there's someone out there that can make the cool Pacific Islander gang movie in LA. Like it's, it's, it's yeah. waiting to happen. Um, I do the guy. I, who's like um, the on the phone? Yes. Uh, who's like sitting at the bar and he, I can't remember what his name is. He's he's like the guy who's like running things on the back end for the heist. Yes. I like him. I thought he was really good. And then he has like a good moment where he gets in the car and he's like, "I'm still clear." He's like, he's, "You know, you know, oh god, their code names: Horror and Silverback." Those are amazing. <laughs> Who made them up? Then, but he's like, house has been burned. And then he gets in the car and he's like, fuck. It's like, oh, I, li- I, I don't know. I like that guy. He's like a little side character guy. He was also Pacific Islander, I think. Yes, yes. The, uh, who made those code names? Gerard Butler? <laughs> Is Gerard Butler... And Silverback. That's, I think, maybe why I got it in my head that I was like... He, like Pablo Schreiber is like a giant gorilla because he's going by the nickname Silverback. He's also like bigger than I've ever seen him. It's like it's terrifyingly I, looking. I rem- <laughs> I love Pablo Schreiber from his days being in The Wire, and back in The yeah, Wire days, he was so weedy. He was this weedy little dude, and then you get like thirteen hours. And he's massive, and in Den of Thieves, he's even bigger. Like, he's just this big unit. Um, and also, American Gods, he plays that Mad Sweeney character, and he's just, like, giant. But back in the day, when he was on The Wire... Oh, oh even on um, Orange is the New Black, he's not... He's, like, normal size. Oh, he's normal size in Orange is the... I haven't seen, I haven't seen the latest season with him in it. Oh, well, I haven't seen the latest season. But when, the, when I first saw him on it, I was like, oh, he's pretty normal size. But, yeah, he is... in this movie he's really going for it and i'm like i actually kind of like what he's doing a little bit like his super intensity is like kind of compelling in a way but it's just such a ridiculous character (laughs) long beach high school football rules (laughs) oh my it's 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 literally i want to say nib high football rules like in billy madison every time i see (laughs) this movie like and especially that benny harness scene it's just like what are you doing what is going on I know he's uh it's just so funny it's like yeah I'm gonna rob a bank with all my bros from high school it's gonna be great I don't know it's just funny and and we were all Um, and and it's like it's got these massive it's it's got this massive like oh we're gonna contextualize it so these guys are all in the military to explain their tactical proficiency to explain how they're able to get away with this and you know and actually have some like cool questions like why would these guys go bad like, I think there's some great opportunities for questions. Why would these guys go bad? Why would these guys go bad? Why would these guys go bad? And the movie's like, nah. <laughs> We're not right, answer- exactly. We're not it answer- doesn't want to answer those questions, but it just wants to say, like, like, I think, yeah, it's very much interested in, like, the how. Like, how do we do this? How does this heist work? How does this? But it's not interested in the why. Because, again, spoiler alert, Den of Thieves people, like, I don't understand what makes him so sort of like suicidally violent in the shootout at the end of the movie. Like I actually really like the moment right before the shootout starts where they, um, he's like putting on his bulletproof vest and he looks at 50 cent and they have this little moment. It's like hilarious to say, like they have this little moments like kind of poignant where like one of them's going to die or like both of them are going to die and they're about to shoot bumper to bumper traffic in downtown LA, which like now I have a phobia of that happening. <laughs> like, God God. Damn it. like I was really scared watching that scene. I was like, Oh my, my God, like this could really happen. Um, but 
I'm like, why is he, what is driving him to this level? I have no idea. And the movie doesn't want to explain it, especially when you find out later that like the heist was like not even his plan. It was like put together by, by O'Shea. But I, that's the thing is like, I just don't feel like I understand him. Like I understand the circumstances around him and the circumstances that he, he, he is in, but I don't understand like what he, what's making him do any of this stuff. No, there's, there's no real motivation. And that's what I mean about exactly like you said is it's paired with the fact that he was in the military. So is it that he was in the military and he's disillusioned with American society? So he's just going to come back and take whatever he wants. I don't know. Right. Like, there's no scene. Like, you don't really want a massive exposition scene about that. But the the difference between you know, hey, your football team's terrible, and like a coffee scene where you can like, <laughs> where you can sort of tease out some of their philosophy. Um, yeah. A five a five minute scene of them talking, and Butler chewing. He wouldn't be able to talk with his mouth not full. <laughs> um, just sort of gnashing a donut um, in the scene. <laughs> Um, and Pablo Donut. and Merriman could have explained why his code name is Silverback, but you know, like that's, you know, that there's that whole interplay that could have happened, which is like, you know, who gives a shit, you know, you know, this country doesn't care about us or something like there could have been some meaty stuff in there, not to get too like archetypal or like lean on any tropes. Cause there are those tropes emerging, but it's like, you don't know why. I certainly didn't care about 50 Cent dying. I didn't care about his daughter dating in the prom. I didn't care about any of those other characters. And I think that the the thing that makes Heat effortless is that besides the beginning heist, which happens in a bit of a frenzy, every time you're with these guys, you're you're rooting for them, whether on on both sides. And there's no real point. It's not like you're rooting against Merriman and his team, but you're not really rooting for them. But I was actively rooting against Gerard Butler. I'm like, if he can cop a bullet right between the eyes, this movie is five stars. Like, if they've got the balls to make a character that's so terrible, just shoot him right in the head. Oh, my God. Um, yeah. No, it's interesting because I was I was going through, I was, like, comparing. I was, like, you know, and I was rewatching it, and I was like, Okay, what's the coffee shop scene? I think it's the Benihana scene, but there's also the scene where they pat, cross pads in his house after he sleeps with his wife, oh. as per instructions. And there's also a scene where they go to the shooting range, and both of those scenes have no dialogue. They're just at the shooting range, just like looking at each other and like shooting repeatedly, and there are no words. And it's like, those are scenes you know what, you with missed opportunities. You know what that scene reminded me of? It, it, that scene at the shooting range reminded me of a scene in Ace Ventura where Ace Ventura is at a <laughs> urinal and he looks over like, mm. he's looking at someone because he's looking for the, who, who, who has lost the piece of diamond out of their Super Bowl ring from the Miami Dolphins and then that guy beats him up. Um, yeah, no, it is definitely like mine's bigger than yours, like total. Uh, mine, mine shoots straighter. And then he's like, I'll show you my, my actual thing shoots straighter. It's such a, like, you know. Where but people... those could have been moments where they shared something, where they said something to each other, and they just, they don't ever talk to each other. They don't ever have that actual sit down and say, this is what I think. Um, I had one other thing. I was, I, okay, go ahead. No, no, um, you've, you've, you've got you've you've got the floor. This is we are rolling through Den of Thieves, as you can see in the structure of in the structure of Heat. What I've tried to do is like the great thing about our the one Heat Minute podcast is we tackle a minute and we use that as a portal into all of the other elements that we're discussing. And what I've what I think my goal is here is like the thing that I just focus on just from the very outset is the establishment of a heist shows you you know because you got these two crews. The, you want with the criminal heist to show that they've got a goal, but they don't want to kill anyone. And I think in this movie, it is really trying to do that. It's showing you that they left the person behind the counter. They don't want to injure civilians. They're happy to turn it up and, and kill cops if that's what happens, but that's what they're going to do. Um, also that LA cops in this movie, for some reason have high powered automatic weapons as well. So it's like this really weird thing of like in heat, the, just the standard uniform guys don't have automatic weapons. So when they get into a, right. a tussle with guys with automatic weapons, it makes it even more glaring that, Oh shit, we are not tactically equipped to deal with people like this. 
And so there's sort of that moment at the beginning where you're like, O'Shea Jackson's probably the most likable character in the whole movie, and you're supposed to side with him, especially as we know where his story ends up. But it's it's that I think that like what you guys have heard, just to like recap on everything we've been talking about, is like we're trying to find the footing for how you like and approach the cops. Because really, if they're one massive sphere of this movie, even though like O'Shea is this like little satellite thing that's happening and is really rewarded once you come to the full picture of what has happened in the movie, it's like Merriman is not unlikable, but he's not likable. No. And you don't understand anything about him. Like, yeah, you don't have yeah. To- yeah, you don't have enough information. Give me something. I need to. I need to like you. I need to know. Does he love his wife? Yeah, I have no idea. Um, is he like? I mean, he he seems to love the most his friends and his friends that he's been with forever. You know, through whatever circumstances. But even that, he's like, uh, Fiddy just died. Is that okay? Like, you know, he's very closed off char- uh, character, but. Um, the other weird thing is like, I, I, you know, we're like teasing out all these consistency inconsistencies, but in the beginning of the movie, when they kill the, when they had the shootout at the donut shop, he's like, we're cop killers now. And he sort of says it in a way that like, well, this is going to like make it more complicated for us. But then they're like, oh, well they won't shoot the donut guy, but they will shoot the, they're like, they're trained to shoot people in uniforms. (laughs) Like, what? Um, yeah, I like that doesn't really make sense. I had a I had a great convo with a friend of mine who's he works for the Australian Federal Police in an organized crime oh. task force as part of One Heat Minute. And one of the things I asked him was what's the like and he loves the movie. And he loves the, you know, the authenticity and he can feel the authenticity with the cops and and the crooks and he likes the you know, he, he, he likes the movie. Is it something that he can enjoy, but it's not something that's glaring. There's not really much that's glaring that he's like, oh, I wouldn't have done that. But I did ask mm-hmm. him, like, if you're investigating these guys and you're in Vincent Hanna's crew, what's the thing that you do differently? And he goes, I would have taken him at the Diamond Exchange. Oh. He's like, under no circumstance would those guys be on the street. I don't care if I put them away for six months. It means six months that I don't have those guys on the street. Interesting, interesting. Yeah, that's the thing about movies. They're always like, we're going to let him go this time because we want the big one. We want, big, the, we want the big one. And, and in, and in yeah. Den of Thieves, it's no more glaring than these guys went down for bank robberies before. They're already in jail. Yeah. We know that they've got military backgrounds. Yeah. We've just hacked into their crew for a guy that said that they did the heist. None of them even get arrested, like not even to go <laughs> to the police station. They don't even give them like the old stripper flop house questioning. Yes. Yeah, yeah like, <laughs> like they don't get the stri- the, the old stripper flop. House. I gotta write that down. That's my favorite thing. That's if if you guys know uh, any other movies with stripper flop house questioning, um, please email mail at one heat minute. Um, we'll um, watch them all. <laughs> we will, yeah, we'll come back. We'll do bonus episodes. But yeah, I just like. I even think there's great opportunities. Like you said, there's these moments where they're passing ships in the night. I like moments where, you know, you know, in those moments, he, uh, Pablo Schreiber's character, Merriman, gets the upper hand every time because he comes out of there looking like a person who's measured and confident and is smiling. And even when he sleeps with his wife, he doesn't look angry. Like he does, he just sort yeah. of looks at him and he doesn't, he does, he completely doesn't react. And so therefore he has the upper hand again, even though Butler walks out of there with the piece of information he thinks. But I just feel like if there was, I know that they're, you know, very influenced in a sort of bad lieutenant training day away that they want these bad cops to do bad, you know, to, 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 to toe the line. But even just one cursory, like, let's get these guys in a room. It's a really effective way. This is why it happens. It's a really effective way to to have dialogue and, 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 and to sort of have exposition and explain stuff. Mm-hmm in a concise way. Like I, I, I loved in your review, you talked a little bit about the usual suspects influences. Like, yeah. like, um, like what more do you need to know about Stephen Pollock's character in the usual suspects when they open his garage and all the cops run in with their guns under the car and he goes, you sure you brought enough guys? Like after that moment, right. you're like, I love this guy. Yeah. One line. Yeah. One, one line. It's my, like, you sure I brought enough guys? 
That's mm-hmm. it. Stephen Pollock's character is the greatest, and you love him immediately, and you completely side with him. It took it took four seconds to do in that movie, you know. That's a sort of Chris McQuarrie script, and 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 mm-hmm. and and Pollock's swagger um, to sort of pull that off. But it's like you wonder why. Just I know that for this movie they're trying to catch the big whale but in that I think back to my friend and going when would I catch them and I'm like this yeah. this maybe would have been a great opportunity to try it they could have just had them in there for an interrogation they could right. have bench pressed some weights with them punched a punching bag next to a corkboard with their faces <laughs> on it and and we're in business <laughs> hey you like punching things uh why don't you <laughs> you wanna punch this um why don't you uh, punch the spot where the bad guy is? No, um, I don't know. This is dumb. But um, no, and the other thing is like you don't really understand. I mean, again, like we don't understand why you don't understand why Gerard Butler does anything. Like, how did he become a bad cop? Is he just born that way? <laughs> like, what is it? At least we have that bizarre monologue with Vincent where he's like talking about the baby in the microwave. Yeah, <laughs> he's like, I have to shit all day and it's like yeah i have to stop back. like like ultimately he wants to uh stop bad stuff from happening he wants people to stop getting hurt and he has that like he's chaotic he's off the wall but he's like he he's good he wants to and maintain order and he's haunted by it he's ultimately haunted by the all the all the things that are happening or all the things that he's observing so when he goes home and he starts to relax and his form of relaxing is just to like numb himself with a Jack Daniels, eat a gnarly chicken leg, and watch some, you know, watch some um, late night news television or like the twenty four hour news cycle, just to sort of quiet the noise in his head, and then he goes to sleep. The thing that gets him to walk into the house and then turn around on a dime and go out at three o'clock in the morning to interrogate someone down in Koreatown is that he's haunted by. He's like genuinely haunted by the visions of all the shit that he's seen, um, and across the country, right? Because that's the whole thing. It's like he's come to LA, three marriages. He's just haunted by this stuff, so he feels like he can make a difference. But yeah, you don't really get any of those moments. So it's like it's it's like the it's like you the the LA texture, the 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 bluster, the attention to detail when it comes to like tactical stuff. It all kind of gets overridden by just not really, and like I don't know any of the uh, of his crew, like the uh, the Jared Butler crew, the Jared Butler yeah. crew. Like there's like I th- I feel like for like thirty seconds they're trying to tease out a couple of the ancillary roles, but it's it's so like fleeting that you're like once it's done, it's like oh, I I couldn't tell you any of their names, even the actors' names, right. Yeah. yeah, and I, I think this is what I was going to say before is um, they it's very interested in the in these details in like how the heist happens. And I actually like the heist when they're in the reserve and mm. Donnie's in the little like money thing. And I, I really like O'Shea's performance in that. It's like getting progressively sweatier, yes. <laughs> just being like, oh, yeah, I'm just the Chinese food delivery guy. Um, like watching him like try to keep the lid on it is like kind of fun in the, in those moments. But, um, and I do think it like, like the pace is very measured, but the tension does build. But I think there's all this attention to like, okay, the Benihana is in Torrance and the, you know, barbecue is in Garden Grove and this, it's like, we don't need to know all of this detail, but <laughs> it's like, um, you know, it gets so it caught up in like the hows and in, in the whys or not the whys and the details and the how and the how did we get there and this is far from there and that this and it's like no, all we want to know is like like we will forgive all the geography mistakes if we sort of are invested in why these people are willing to like walk into traffic and like shoot a bunch of cars up. Like I don't know why he does that. I don't know why they do that. I don't know why they're just not like hey okay like I'm done take me to jail I've already been there you know. Why is he on this like suicide mission to like shoot up traffic? I don't get it. <laughs> Except get... that that that's just how they want the movie done, but Yeah. It's like here's here's the, the big showdown between these two guys. And he literally says He says I told you I was never going back. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. So he is on a suicide mission. But that's the that's the the final line of hate. <laughs> it's fucking egregious. 
<laughs> I know the the parallels but there's are. No, there's no scene where he outlines that that's his philosophy. Neil's entire philosophy is that I've dedicated my life to discipline. He's clearly in the background, been in the military. There's, you know, a potential prequel book being written by Reed Coleman as we speak and Michael Mann that, like, might explain some of that. Like, he was in the military. He came out disillusioned. Um, He's had enough. He goes into a life of crime. He goes into jail. He goes to a gladiator academy where he learns the craft of being a criminal, like, goes to big, heavy places, comes out, and he commits and dedicates his life to this slavishly. I I will never go back to that you can't catch me if I've lived to this discipline. And so for him, as he breaks away, as he slips, as he makes bad decisions, he's still slavishly like adhering to his programming, but it's all to the, to his detriment because he's letting himself slip or he lets something slide when he shouldn't, etc. And in those moments, you're like, oh my God. Like when he says, I told you I'm never going back at the end of heat. And I can't wait to approach it in this show because I don't know if I'm going to be ready for it. When he says that, it like reverberates through your body. Like it has an effect, I would imagine, listening to, you know, the deafening, beautiful God moving over the face of waters in Moby. Like that scene hits you like a bigger gut punch than almost anything that happens in this movie. It hits you bigger than Pacino's face grab of Henry Rollins. <laughs> it's like it hits you big time. Slamming against the wall. It hits you big time. It's, 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 it's unbelievable. Yeah, no, and it is. And in this movie... They say it, and I feel like it's someone lighting a bag of shit on my front porch and asking me to step on it. <laughs> that good, huh? That good. Because you can't <laughs> use that line. That line, like the number 23 in basketball, like they say it's retired, you know, they're retiring right. the number. That line's yeah. retired. You don't. You haven't earned it. You haven't earned that line. <laughs> yeah. And trust me, 120, where people are listening to this bonus episode, you've certainly listened to 122 whole episodes of One Heat Minute right now. And, and you know that you can't borrow that line. <laughs> no, you can't. You can't. It's, you can't. You can't just throw that in with this guy who, like, has a stripper wife and makes her sleep with Gerard Butler for no reason. <laughs> also, it's like... I don't know. I just love that they kind of like, I mean, I kind of appreciate that they like just made him like, I don't know, his whole like style, like his chest tattoo and his like garage bench pressing guy. Like it's like so different from uh, Neil. who's like so suave. It's like, all right. I don't know. It's just funny how they, how they changed it up, but they still have the same, like they're like, we're tactical and measured and like uh, controlled and, and, but it's like in a totally different style. Anyway, I just think that's kind of well, funny. Look, but yes, no, I totally agree with you. I totally agree with you. But I, I, ne- I never thought that I would spend five minutes talking about this movie, let alone an hour talking to my wonderful guest, Katie Walsh. For insulting me. <laughs> Thank you for being a part of the show. Um, guys, Katie is honestly an insanely talented and scarily prolific writer. Um, and I would strongly recommend that you just run directly to her Twitter because then you will just be able to link off to like a plethora of reviews that just like scares me how many she writes per week for all of her publications, whether that's the Tribune Agency, LA Times. Um, um, Rotten Tomatoes is the link on her Twitter. It's Katie. Uh, K-A-T-I-E Walsh um, S-T-X um, on Twitter but uh, the Rotten Tomatoes <coughs> link is scary and look she has reviewed Den of Thieves and Gerard Butler she uh, reflected on no. fondly we all have a weakness stupid Gerard Butler is yours uh. as I was saying the amazing Katie Walsh thank you so much for being a part of another One Heat Minute a bonus one one Den of Thieves hour is what it is <laughs> Um, thank you, Blake, for having me. Uh, thank you for watching this movie and indulging my whims, <laughs> my demands. Um, and now I don't have to do one Den of Thieves minute. Oh, podcast. Abs- Look, <laughs> if, if you did, if you did, I don't, I don't know if you'd finish. I don't know if you'd even get past the donut. You'd be like, nah, it's done, guys. Four episodes is enough. <laughs> I but did five minutes of it. <laughs> You're yeah. like, this, this, this should have been. Um, this should have been something that went for uh, 140 episodes, but I'm done in five. Thanks. Yeah, exactly. See you. Great. All right, we've covered it all. Yeah, we've, we, I think um, we've, I think we've covered most of it. Look. 
guys, thank you so much for listening. Um, OneHeatMinute.com is where you're going to find all the episodes that you need. Um, and, uh, and I'll stay in touch with Katie because I'm sure after you've heard um, her uh, Henry Rollins thirst, um, which is so strong, um, even stronger than her appreciation appreciation and we and blind spot for Jared Butler um, you'll know that she needs to come back and be in one of our remaining only like 50 odd episodes to go so I've been Blake Howard you can find me on Twitter at Blake is Batman or just oneheatminute.com for everything else but uh, we'll catch you on another episode of One Heat Minute just around the corner and I am not talking about this movie ever again <laughs> thank you for your service When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.